What's up, gamers? I'm Noah Hertz. And I'm Nathaniel Wilson. And welcome to Press Start. What's up? I'm yeah, back. Yeah, <laughs> we're back. Hello. In lieu of trying to do small talk, I wanna I wanna run something by you here because uh, it's something that I feel like you're you're uniquely equipped to level with me on in a way that I'm not sure Tori could. Hit me. Is your TikTok for you page feed rapidly becoming just Family Guy clips with videos underneath it of like people playing mobile games? Yes. Okay, it's not just um, me. <laughs> like early on in the Family Guy taking over my for you page mm-hmm. timeline, I saw a TikTok that was like beware if you get the Family Guy clips on your for you page, they will never leave. Yeah. And I and I was like, okay, I've seen a few and this is not sounding good. But yes, I get them all the time. And sometimes I get sucked into it like a black hole. And some like most of the time I see that it is up and then I hit not interested as fast as I can. So it can wow. like register no playtime and hit the not interested. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that not interested on TikTok doesn't work. Yeah. Because like in the past, I've said not interested to a bunch of stuff. Like, do you know the French soccer player Kylian Mbappe? Yeah. He is dating a trans supermodel. Okay. And my TikTok has been so soccer heavy since the World Cup started. Mm -hmm. And people make so many transphobic Mbappe jokes about him and his girlfriend. And it comes up on my For You page all the time. And I hit not interested. And then I've like gone through and blocked a bunch of sounds and stuff when I get annoyed by them. And they just keep coming up. So like I'm just in the family guy For You page pit for the the time being. That's so funny that you skip them though because I watch every single one of them. Like 100% of the way through. I'm like, hey, family guy clip. Let's go. I, like, already went through my Family Guy phase in 10th and 11th grade. See, yeah, I didn't really have much of a Family Guy phase. I always thought that it was kind of stupid. Like, I watched the uh, I watched the Star Wars Family Guy episodes. Do you remember those when they did, like... I do. Yeah, I watched those because, like, I liked Star Wars, but I never... The, the Family Guy f- humor never really did it for me. I was always more into The Simpsons, but watching it in these, like, bite-sized chunks where I get, like, part three of seven from one long video and I never look up the rest of the parts. It's like the ideal way for me to watch Family Guy. (laughs) Do you ever get those videos where it's like the really bad acting and it's like part whatever of whatever and it's like boy is being babysat and the babysitter is having her boyfriend over? I've seen a few of those, yeah. I'll go watch all the parts. I can't really? not, which I feel like is part of why I have to skip the Family Guy thing because I don't want to watch a full episode of Family Guy while a <laughs> App Store game is being played <laughs> under it poorly on purpose. I feel like those ads for the App Store games, they play them so bad on purpose because oh, yeah. they're like neurodivergent people are going to be made so upset by how poorly we're playing this game that yeah. they're going to have to They'll download have to it. Download it. Have you downloaded yeah. any games that you saw on the App Store? Yes. Like yeah, I have too. Yes. I, have too. I, <laughs> I downloaded one game from TikTok and I grinded it and it was like the just exactly what you would expect yeah. where you play one level and then have to watch a minute long unskippable yeah. Yeah. ad that was my and experience like, as well <laughs> yeah it, like i was so in and then i was so out and i was like wow thank god i'm when, out when you said neurodivergent people you met us specifically <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> but I, I'm sure people will relate to that. You yeah, know? I'm sure. That's real. That's relatable, I'm sure. Um, geez. I, yeah, I wanted to bring that up because I know if I asked Tori that question, she doesn't really use TikTok. So I'm figuring when she does use TikTok, it's probably like aware of the fact that she's getting married based on her other Google searches. And it's like just entirely wedding content. So I didn't want to have to bear my soul about my family guy clips for you, Paige, and have her not be That's able to fair. relate to it. Yeah. That's fair. We can talk about video games though too. This is like ostensibly a video game podcast. Let's do it. Do you wanna get us started and talk about some video game news? Yeah, what the hell? I'll jump right in. So um Everybody's been really excited for the past couple of years for the Super Mario theme park that's opening as part of Universal all over the world. The Japan one is already open, and the first one that's opening in the U.S. is the one in California. And as of earlier this week, they set their time for Universal Studios California. The Super Mario whatever the hell chunk of the park is going to be opening next February. Nathaniel, are you trekking out to California to go to this? No. No? <laughs> like, I'm not really a theme park type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been to Disney one time. I was wow. an odd number, single digit age. I was seven or nine. I don't remember. Okay. We went to Animal Kingdom. And like my mom will tell me whenever it gets brought up that she remembers me being like, I think seven years old. No, I think nine years old One of and those. being at Animal Kingdom and being like, this is cool and I don't have to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's still just how I feel. Um, I think there are throughout my life, there have been certain ones that have piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. Like Harry Potter World, I used to think could be really cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I know people that go to Disney, especially since moving to Florida. Like, yeah. shout out our friend Kali. We used to make Disney fun guy? of him. We used to make fun of him at FSU, remember, because he would talk about bringing girls to Disney, like, as a date. That's true. I do remember hearing this, yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> but there were, I was just in the newsroom, like, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And this one guy was asking another guy if he likes Disney. And the guy was like, no, I don't really enjoy it. It's not my thing. And the guy Mm -hmm. was like, okay, you're just broke. And it's like, okay. Okay. Or I'm just not a Disney adult. You can be be broke and not a Disney adult too. Like Facts. the, The last time I went to Disney, I've definitely been more than you have. We used to do it periodically when I was a kid because I grew up like an hour from Orlando. And like we couldn't really afford to go on big vacations or anything. So we would just like do Disney every couple of years. So we would try to go during like the Star Wars weekends. So it was like a combo comic book convention with the Star Wars actors there and also a theme park experience. Like we did that a bit when I was growing up. And I also went to Universal semi-regularly as part of like the band program I was in as a kid. We got like discounted tickets to Orlando Universal. But um, last time I went to Disney... One of my girlfriend's cousins was visiting the U.S. for the first time. So she had like never she had never been to the U.S. So they were like, oh, my God, we're going to take you to all the touristy shit in Florida. So they were doing Disney one day and Universal the other day. And so they were like, Noah, come with us. And I was like, all right, I can afford to go to one of these. So I'm going to pick one of these days I can afford to go. I bought tickets to go to Epcot with them. And that shit cost me like 130 bucks for like a one day ticket. And that was like yeah. before I bought food to and like drinks to get day drunk at Epcot. Like it, it's the price of admission to get in the door. I'm I'm fully I can admit that I'm just broke. Like it's expensive as hell. And all you do is pay to like stand in line and shit like 
I don't know. It's tough. It's <laughs> yeah. Like when I moved to Tampa, there's Bush Gardens there, mm, which yeah. people like. There are many people, especially who live around Tampa, who are like Bush Gardens is better than Disney and Universal because mm. like more rides, less waiting. Yeah. I guess is the attraction. But I never went because it was like. I don't want to spend $90 to go to Bush Gardens. Yeah. Like that's that's really it. Well, so this one's opening up in California. There's no word yet on an official opening date for when the Mario Land is going to open up in Orlando, but it is going to happen eventually. It looks like it's not really opening up with a ton of stuff. It looks like the main appeal is going to be just like walking around the land that looks like mario so it's going to be kind of like harry potter was when it opened like being able to immerse yourself in this area i see that there's like the universal equivalent of the bands that you can buy for disney that will like record your quote-unquote high scores for things so it's like a little gamified for my money though it seems like the only real big draws other than that are one ride it's called mario kart bowser's challenge which I don't know if you looked at any of the pictures. It looks like you have to wear some kind of like AR headset. Some, and it's like, I really hope they're cleaning those bad boys off between riders. <laughs> when did you say was the last time you went to one of these big theme parks? Uh, Like 2019, but it was Epcot. So I'm not sure how much that counts. Okay. Because like my parents went to Universal maybe right before COVID. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like... Like, you put this in there, and I saw it, and your note about how the face mask could be dirty, right? Yeah. But I feel like amusement parks and, like, roller coasters even, I feel like that is just what amusement parks are now. Like, it's so much cheaper mm. to just build a screen, build VR. Yeah. And so whenever these new rides come out in amusement parks, it's just always VR. Hmm. And so, like, I'm sure they clean that shit. I don't yeah. know. My mom told me that the VR rides are actually, like, really scary and huh. simulate, like, a roller coaster it, yeah. really well. But I don't know. It, like, it makes sense that it would be so much cheaper, though. Yeah. And, yeah. like, it takes up less space. Absolutely. Yeah, you have just, yeah, because it doesn't take up the entire, because I'm thinking, like, like, the old style Disney park or other, like, Universal park where, like, you have almost like a shopping center with like one anchor store in the middle. You have like an anchor roller coaster, like the Hulk at Universal in the Marvel area. Like that is the anchor roller coaster for that area. And then you have stuff built around it to entertain people either while they're waiting in between rides of the Hulk or not riding the Hulk because their friends are riding the Hulk, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's kind of interesting that the main thing in this area is going to be something like this. You know the lines are going to be like a thousand hours to get on it. I also saw that it's going to have a uh, a restaurant that is going to serve things such as this is quoting directly from a USA Today article about this super mushroom soup, piranha plant caprese, and princess peach cupcakes. So, uh, I got to get this one out of my system. Princess peaches cupcakes. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, that's out of my system. Uh, can you imagine eating? soup is your main meal at a theme park when you're like hanging out during the day maybe <laughs> i feel like i would rather have like a hot dog yeah maybe i'm thinking more like orlando just like the heat like the heat and the humidity the last thing i want is to like sit down at a table and drink soup so 
Maybe they'll revise the menu a little bit to have like Yoshi turkey legs or something by the time it gets to Orlando. But uh Yeah, I'm looking right now at the Japanese park mm -hmm. and I'm looking at this menu and it's really, yeah, just a like a few soups. That's so strange. One burger. Huh. That's really The restaurant weird. is toad themed, I saw. Okay, that's cute. And I love Toad, favorite character in the He's universe. Adorable. He's adorable. In the Mario universe, not in the whole <laughs> entire universe. Um, but I think, I don't know, it looks cool, right? But yeah. not cool enough to go. Yeah, I agree with that. Especially not to California. Even And even once it gets to Universal in Orlando, I'm going to have to wait some time because I am, you're not going to catch me at opening weekend for something like this. I'm not, yeah, no. I'm not waiting in line to buy Toad soup or whatever. If you could take any video game and have there be an immersive theme park made out of it, okay. what game would you choose? Ooh. Hmm. Obviously not Fortnite because, of course, we would both pick that. Not Fortnite, yeah. not for I don't know. That's tough. I feel like when I was a kid, I would have picked Zelda in a heartbeat. But as an adult, I'm like, that would just be like, I don't even know what that would be, like Grassy Plain or like, I don't know. That's tough. Do you have an answer teed up? Like, do you have something you thought of where you're like, oh, yeah? I'm thinking when I was a kid, I would have probably said Star Wars. Yeah. Even though that's not a video game like there are no, but I, all I the Star it. Wars yeah. video games. Um, It's like probably as a kid at some point, I would have said like Marvel too. But, yeah. And it's funny, like, because now these things exist and I'm not interested in them. <laughs> and yeah, so I'm trying true. to think, I'm trying to think of like now as an adult. What do I play that yeah. I would choose? And I don't know. I I don't know if there's any IP that could be made into a theme park that mm -hmm. would make me go. I'm thinking my, my mind went to like funny answers like Metal Gear Solid. Like I don't know. I don't know how far how familiar you are with Metal Gear Solid, but it's literally just like CIA espionage games that it mm. takes world history as seriously as like a shonen anime or like Silent Hill. Like, just horror. Just ho absolute horror. <laughs> there should be a Gang Beasts theme park <laughs> where you actually have to fight you, and throw people off the map. You just have to beat the, the shit map. out of people. <laughs> yeah. Outside the realm of theme park news, but still Mario related. Mario Kart 7, which was the Mario Kart game for the 3DS that was released in like the early 2010s randomly received an update for the first time in 10 years <laughs> so anybody who says that nintendo does not update its old games you gotta eat your shorts now uh the last time this game received an update was in 2012 <laughs> and the best part about this is that nintendo does this thing where they don't really explain what they did in updates like people seem to think that the patch notes for this one is Nintendo patching potential exploits for these games for when the 3DS eShop goes down. So if there's not like a way you could click a button that's like, go to the 3DS eShop, and then it would just like shatter the game in half. And it's, but like the patch notes that they released for this just say, several issues have been addressed to improve the gameplay experience. And that's the entirety of the patch notes. <laughs> did you have this game? I did, yeah. I played a lot of Mario Kart 7. Me too. Yeah. This is one that I really like. At this point in my life, I'm just a Mario Kart 8 grinder. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 
I have very fond memories of being over at a friend's house when we were younger and playing like the battle mode in Mario Kart 7, each of us with like our individual 3DSs. And I don't remember much about it, but I remember one of the battle modes was called Big Donut. And I know one of my friends hated it. And me and another one of our friends would just repeatedly pick it in the multiplayer map rotation. And it would do like a lottery. So like if two people picked Big Donut and the third person didn't, chances are you were going to get Big Donut. And we would just do it to piss our other friend off. Be like, fuck yeah, Big Donut. And like, it's like the only thing I remember of the multiplayer experience. But I had so much fun with this game. Like it was a blast. With Mario Kart 8 online, I feel like they do a pretty good job with the skill-based matchmaking. Mm -hmm. But I remember with Mario Kart 7, I would play it online sometimes. And I remember just going on and just getting slaughtered. <laughs> like just the real sweats on their DSs just out there grinding online in 2019. I don't remember doing much of the online with Mario Kart 7, but I remember my sister and I used to do the online in Mario Kart 8 for the Wii U. And, like, I never picked up Mario Kart 8 on Switch because my sister and I had it on the Wii U, and I kind of felt like I grinded enough on it that I was like, I think I've grinded enough. I don't need to, I don't need to grind it anymore. I'm good. But um, my sister and I would go on the online and just, like, pass the controller back and forth. And I think they hadn't quite ironed out some of the skill-based matchmaking at that point because that was the same thing. Like, open up the online, just get absolutely decimated by someone whose name is like i love hitler or something and it's like online gaming baby i love online gaming <laughs> for me it was like they have the country that you're playing out of mm -hmm. and so it would just be like the top four slots are just always japanese flags yeah, yeah. it's like damn you motherfuckers are killing me oh god i remember when i was growing up my, we had this racing game for the PlayStation 3 called Blur. Do you remember this at all? Did you ever play Blur? I did not. So Blur was like, Blur was like somebody took the power up and chaos element of Mario Kart and mixed it with the realistic cars of like a need for speed and like the physics of like a need for speed or something like that. So it was like racing on real courses in real countries with real cars but you had power-ups that they had, they like tried to look realistic with like particle physics and stuff, but they were functionally just Mario Kart power-ups. And so like, I liked Blur as much as the next guy. My dad fucking loved Blur. And he would play it. Mondays were the one day of the week that he had off every week. Like he had, he had usually had Sunday and Monday off. That was kind of his weekend. And so when my sister and I were at school on Mondays, he had free reign to play with the video game consoles without us being around. And so my dad would always tell me that he would get on in the afternoon and play races and blur. And it was like because of time zone shenanigans, the only other people who were on playing were like French players. And he would be like, yeah, it'd be these French guys that get on their mic and just like scream at you in French when you pass them or like when you hit them with a power up and stuff. And I was like, man, it's really just connecting people from all over the world. <laughs> I remember he was so upset when EA shut down the servers for that game because like like the PlayStation 4 came out and nobody was playing Blur anymore. They shut down the mm -hmm. servers, so like it's just a single player racing game now. My dad still brings it up periodically and is like, Do you remember that racing game I used to love on the PlayStation? I can't believe they shut down the servers. And I'm like, Yeah, they just do that sometimes, man. <laughs> yeah. Get fucked. Get unfortunately, yeah, get fucked by the new racing game that EA put out. One more thing news-wise that I want to shout out here. This is just like a very brief compilation of some disconnected news I've seen about like unannounced games that have been raided or trademarked in other countries. 
So the the first one is I don't know if you're familiar at all with the Katamari series. I'm not. So Katamari is a Japanese game. It's a the first one is called Katamari Damashi, and it was re-released on the Switch a few years ago as Katamari Damashi Reroll. And it's the the long and short of it is that you play as this little character and you roll around a ball and you pick up stuff with the ball for the ball to get bigger. So like you'll start at a level rolling up paper clips. And eventually you're big enough to be rolling up like adult humans and that kind of thing. Very fun, very like arcadey style fun game. I adore the first Katamari. It looks like the trademark has been filed in Europe for We Love Katamari Reroll. We Love Katamari was the second game in the series that was released on the PS2. This has not been announced, but it is kind of looking like the sequel is also going to get the same remake treatment, and it's probably going to come out on the Switch. I would file both of these ele- these items I have here as like things that will probably appear in a Nintendo Direct sometime in the next six months. It just like hasn't happened yet. The the other one, and this is the one I wanted to ask you about specifically, is that Final Fantasy one through six have been rated by the ESRB, and they've all been rated specifically for the Switch. Because the latest re-releases of the Final Fantasy series, this is the Pixel remasters, is on Steam. And everybody thought they were going to come to Switch, and they still haven't come to Switch. And it's been like two years since they launched those. I wanted to ask you, though, like, have you played any of the Final Fantasy games? Do you have any familiarity with this series? No. When I got an Xbox Final Fantasy 11 and 11 point one or two maybe were on game pass maybe it might have been 13 maybe it was 14 14 so 14 is an online game and 11 is an older online game so i'm pretty sure it wasn't 11 but it might have been i know 13 also has a 13.2 but so does 10 but i don't know if the remake of 10 was released on xbox you know it was 13 and 13.2 i think that tracks. And that tracks. Those were on Game Pass, and I downloaded them, and I was like, I'm going to play these. But that's when I had first gotten Game Pass, and it's like you go through these hundreds of games, and you're like, these are all the ones I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. And then I remember watching multiple videos on YouTube mm-hmm. over the summer, like videos like which Final Fantasy game to start with. Yeah. And then there were a bunch of videos that were like, don't start with that one. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, I won't. And I'll start with another one. And I never did. And I don't know if I ever will. The old ones, like, they talked about those in the videos because they were like, it would be cool to start with these, but they're hard to find. Yeah. Um, But I thought the old ones look really cool. Yeah, it's funny that you tried to start with 13 in specific, considering, like, how divisive that game is. And also, like... 13 released at a time when, like, JRPGs specifically, for a long period of time in, like, the Super Nintendo and PS1 era, were, like, the genre of games that were constantly pushing the envelope. Like, JRPGs were where you found the games that were, maybe if not graphically all the time, were pushing the envelope of what systems could do in terms of storytelling. So, like... On the Super Nintendo, the games that were really pushing what the like what kind of stories could be told in that console, it was Final Fantasy VI. In on the NES, it was Final Fantasy IV, and on the PS One, it was Final Fantasy VII. And like these are those are like big big standout games. 
whereas 13 was released at a time when like the the action shooter and the action adventure game had kind of taken that mantle over in a way and like those games had become the main drivers of a lot of things and so 13 kind of tries to emulate some action type game elements that were really popular at the time like very linear storytelling very like uh very tight corridors that look really pretty but like you don't have a lot of way to deviate from it and that kind of thing and it got like seriously panned for it but what's interesting about those older ones is that like like you said it they are they are massively popular and they're massively influential too and they're also like not the easiest games to track down to play and like it never made sense to me why these pixel remasters weren't released on the switch day and date because they would have made so much money like right then they're still going to make a shitload of money now (laughs) but like the only final fantasies that are available on the switch now are seven through ten i believe yeah seven through ten plus ten two which is ten's sequel so like one through six is going to completely just open the floodgates and really also just like double down on the switch being the best place to go to have like a console that has a backlog of games that spans generations but i'm i'm really excited for this even though like i could pirate most of these now tomorrow i own some of these already but like the the switch is just going to be like a really really good platform to play these games on i'm not a pirater mm-hmm. um i know that this podcast is um allegedly involved <laughs> we're in, allegedly uh, pro piracy yeah allegedly pro piracy and um as a now reoccurring member of this podcast i feel like allegedly i would be interested in maybe trying it out it's mm-hmm. more like the thing where i'm too scared like after i got my xbox i sent you that one youtube video where the guy was like microsoft literally gives you the option to jailbreak your xbox yeah. they, they say they say here is the software please please fuck with it yeah and i sent you that video where the guy was like i have all these games from every console up through PS2 mm-hmm. on my Xbox. And so, um, like you say, these games are not impossible to find in a quote-unquote illegitimate way. Yeah. But, yeah, um, it it's never really made a lot of sense to me why a lot of these, um, like, gaming... Um, brands companies whatever that are like have are still in business that made all these old successful games are not just constantly reskinning them and putting them out and being yeah. like give us another 40 bucks because they'll charge some bs like that and people will pay it yeah absolutely and i feel like nintendo especially has proven that that's the case because nintendo does not view their backlog and this is something that like we've harped on on this show before like nintendo as a company does not see its backlog as something that is like important in and of itself like nintendo as a company does not really seem to give a shit about the historical importance of you being able to play the ocarina of time nowadays nintendo sees their old games as like an escape lever that they can pull as like an oh shit we're not making enough money with this we need to make more money like that is 
because they we like I know Tori and I have both kind of waxed poetic about missing the structure of the Wii where there were just so many games at your disposal. But like those cost money like that wasn't free. It wasn't it wasn't please experience this backlog of games to get you more excited for the modern releases. It was you can play this N64 game, but it's going to cost you 10 bucks and every N64 game is going to cost you 10 bucks. And they like when the Switch came out, they were doing a better job than they were on 3DS. Yeah. Because when you pay for Switch Online, you get all of those um, Super Nintendo and N64 games. Yeah. Um, just as a part of that subscription. Because I remember when I had a 3DS, like all of those games were on the store and they were all just like three bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And so you just think like, oh, I don't care about spending $9 to have the first three Super Mario games. Yeah. But it like... I don't know. It would make so much more sense if they just used their subscription service and then also made their store like a museum, Yeah, you know, because it's like it is history and it is important. Yeah. And so to just act like it doesn't exist until you want to make a lot of money off it is whack. Yeah. Especially since while they were not always historically good about that, it seems like PlayStation and Microsoft are getting better about it. And I, I would not say that it was like altruistic motivations that made it as such, but it, it is at least like a step in the right direction. Whereas Nintendo continues to kind of just be on the back foot and be on the wrong side of history with some of this kind of stuff, which is it's really frustrating. But I guess all that to say, I am excited that Final Fantasy one through six are going to come to the switch because I will probably pick up like four and six at the very least and then like maybe jump into a few of the other ones that i'm like way less familiar with so i don't know i think we got i think that's all we have like explicitly news wise you wanted to jump into some other stuff huh yeah if that's all you got let's talk about these year-end wrap-ups yes that exist do you have yours pulled up? Let's talk about ours. So I can, I have my PlayStation 1 pulled up and yeah, I have my Nintendo 1 pulled up here too. So yeah, PlayStation okay. and Nintendo did it, but it you said Xbox didn't? Xbox did not. I read online that they, the last time they did this was 2018. Whoa, why not? That's That seems like such an easy way to get like ad clicks on your website. I know. And so for people listening, let's talk about the PlayStation 1 first. And so that's at wrapup.playstation.com. And it gives you like your four major stats. So like your hours of playtime and your games played Mm -hmm. and your trophies earned. And then, of course, how many PlayStation Plus games you played because they want everyone to sub. Well, I like they tell you how many PlayStation Plus games you could play, too. It's like, yeah. well, you know how many games you could have at your disposal if you click right here, even though, like, I'm a PlayStation Plus. Granted, I'm not, like, ultra, super, mega PlayStation Plus subscriber. I'm, like, PlayStation Plus basic, but still. Yeah. yeah. So what? walk me through your, your top three numbers here. What do you have? Okay, my hours play. And so keep in mind, everyone, that I got an Xbox Series S in... July. True. And so I was on the PS4 before that. And then I got my Xbox and I was like, I'll keep using both. And then I have not touched my PS4 since I got my Xbox. So this is more like January through July instead of January through last week. Yeah. Um, And so I'm at 271 hours played. Okay. I have 16 games played. 
and I have 22 trophies earned. Okay. What about you? I've got 180 hours, 17 different games, and I earned 40 trophies on the dot. Grinder. Yeah, really. That's interesting, though, that you, you still had more hours than I did. And, oh my God, hold on. This is more interesting. It tells me, what was the first trophy you ever earned on your PlayStation account? Where do you see that? So if you click on the trophies where it tells you like your the number of trophies you had, it takes you to a page that breaks down like how many were bronze, how many were silver. And if you scroll down a little okay. more, it gives you highlights. So like your latest trophy on your PSN account and your first one. What's your first one? Okay, so I ha- I'm at 801 lifetime trophies. Okay. And I have zero platinum. Oh, wait, no. This is from this year. Yeah, it's from this year. This year, zero platinum, zero gold, three silver, and 19 bronze. Okay. And my first ever trophy was going for gold in Madden NFL 16, Okay. which I played on September 1st, 2015. Let me hit you with this. My first trophy earned was the Pugilist in Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. On November 16, 2008. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, because uh, for whatever reason, whenever I get a new system, I just make a new account. Mm-hmm. Like I had a PSP and three account. Yeah. And then when I got a PS4, I just made a new account. And it's the same thing where like when I had a 360, I had a Microsoft account. Yeah. And then when I got my Xbox Series S, I just made a new account. I have just carried so... the same account over. And one one like strange symptom of that is that my name on my PlayStation is still my dad's name. I and mean, it appears as my my username, which is Uncle Owen, which is the name, the username my dad has been using since like the 90s. And so I'll go in and people will be like, yo, Owen, come here. And I'm like, who the fuck are they talking to? And like, you didn't used to be able to change your PlayStation info, but now you can. And it always makes, because I, I just won't. I, I just won't change it because it makes me laugh. I keep it. But but yeah, I, I think it's very funny that it records my first trophies from 2008. Um, yeah, I don't know. You put in more hours than me, even though you switched consoles midway through the year. But I think I probably played on my Switch more than you played on yours. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to get there for that. Um, what were your top five games on PlayStation? This is not going to be a good look, by the way. No, mine's not a good look either. It's okay. Okay. Number one is NBA 2K22. Okay. Number two is Apex Legends. Okay. Number three is Fortnite. Number four is NBA 2K21. <laughs> And then number five is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 plus 2. Okay. My my look is way worse. Um, number one is Elden Ring. It can't be. Number one is Elden Ring. Okay. Number two, also Apex Legends. Number three, Nathaniel, you know how Overwatch 2 has only been out for like a couple of months? <laughs> I have clocked 37 hours into Overwatch 2 already. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's my number three game. I hate myself. <laughs> um. My number four game is Multiverses, which I only clocked five hours into, but that somehow made my top five list. And my number five game is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It says I I played three hours of that game and completed 1% of the total game, and it's my top five. It's my number five game. How many hours did you have logged on Elden Ring? 81. And I only made it like halfway through. 
I had 113 hours logged on 2K22. Damn. I mean, I don't know if this is like, like, I know other people who play like the basketball games and they play it just to like turn their brain off. And I kind of get the feeling that it was the same way for you. Like it was your turn your yeah. brain off game. It like replaced Rocket League as my game. I play with the speakers off yeah. and my podcast on. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. That was PlayStation. Do you want to do the Nintendo one now? Let's do it. There's less info in this one, right? There is, yeah. But wait, bef- before we move, yeah. Tori did tweet that her and Jesse on the PlayStation wrap up had a combined 880 hours. That's insane. Which she said is mostly Jesse. That makes sense. Yeah. But, but she said still. She, she said she logged a, a bunch on the Switch too. Yeah, I'm thinking like if I could also count the amount of hours that I played on like my PSP this year or like my my Dreamcast, like I would probably be higher up, but I can only do the ones that actually log hours. That's insane. 880 hours. Um what I wanted to know is have you had a Switch for the entirety of 2022? Yes. Okay. I didn't remember when you got your Switch, if it was like a I got midway my, through the year. I got my Switch in 2020. Okay. I can I can start this one off. So the Switch one, Nintendo gives you less info, like you said. First, you get your most played games. So I don't play Fortnite on the PlayStation. I play it on Switch. So my top played game on Switch is Fortnite. On Joy-Cons. On Joy-Cons, by yes. By the way. Playing it handheld with Joy-Cons, which I've started switching to playing docked with a pro controller because my my Joy-Cons are starting to drift a little bit, specifically my right Joy-Con. So like, uh, I'll be standing still and all of a sudden my character will start looking down and it's like, nah, I can't fuck with that. But um, as you can see, this for me was kind of the year of like turn your brain off live service games. And I think... I, I don't know if that's a symptom of just like a really busy work schedule being like I, I get home and I want to play a game, but I don't want to like think too hard about it. So I just like kick on Overwatch or kick on Fortnite. But that that was what this year was for me games wise. So my top game was Fortnite. My second to top game was Into the Breach, which is literally the first game I got on my Nintendo Switch in 2018. I have clocked an absurd amount of hours in Into the Breach. But earlier this year, they released a patch or like an update patch that added new content to it. And I had already put like over 100 hours into it. And I was like, time to go back to Into the Breach. And I probably put another 100 hours into it this year. Like, it's such a fucking good game. And my number three game is Tunic, something that we like very recently played. But I just I just put an insane amount of hours in like my one playthrough of it just running around. Nintendo also gives you stats for like games you played immediately after their release. So. My three here are Citizen Sleeper, which I picked up like minutes after it dropped because I was really looking forward to it. I also loved it. It's like, I know we'll probably talk about that in another podcast soon, but it's like probably my favorite game I played this year. Uh, I've also got Fall Guys in here, which I think I just downloaded right when it launched. So yeah, I don't know. And then the Splatoon 3 Splatfest, which was just like the week demo, the weekend demo they did for Splatoon 3. So that's my uh that's my two main things. What what about you? Okay, my number one most played game was also Fortnite. Let's go. But that's that's not you, is it? It is me and Angie. Okay. And I don't know. Like my my Switch is the thing that I like travel with and so I go gotcha. home and I will play. I'll play some Fortnite on the Switch. It's playing some um, Fortnite. Yeah. 
Yeah, my my Instagram story of Angie uh, trying to get my phone to do the uh, the the wireless hotspot so she can play <laughs> Fortnite in the car on I seventy five. So number one is Fortnite, and yeah. number two is Mario Kart eight. Okay, because you're a grinder. We've been over this, yeah. I guess, and then mm-hmm. number three is Mario Golf. Oh wow, which okay. makes sense to me. I love Mario Golf. Wow, a okay. lot of people hate on it. I'm a big Mario golfer. I was a big Mario golfer on like the GameCube one, but I never played the Switch one. And I heard kind of mixed things about it when it came out. You were you were really into this one? I swear by it. Yeah. Um, the reason that it's up here is because like I play college ultimate frisbee, and so we'll drive far to our tournaments. Like mm-hmm. we drove to fucking Texas, and we're gonna drive to New Orleans next year, oh my God. and stuff like that. And so Mario Golf is my favorite game for us to play in the car. Yeah. Because one person will drive and then four of us will just pass the switch around and oh. play like 18 holes of Mario Golf that to take up sense. an yeah. hour plus of our time in the car. Because it's turn-based. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. And so then I only have one game in the played at launch and that is Lego Star Wars <laughs> The Skywalker Saga, which yes. I talked about last episode. But update... This oh. game just came to Game Pass, and oh, really? I downloaded it, and so we'll see if now that it is on my Xbox, if I play it. Does it have, like, the DLC with the Game Pass release, or do you have to pick the DLC? It does separate? not. Okay, because I know they've done a couple of character packs, so you can get, like... A lot at yeah, this Yeah, the Mandalorian, and then, like, I don't know, characters from Rogue One, and characters from uh, Andor, and that kind of thing. But I don't think the DLC packs really have much in the way of, like, levels or worlds, right? It's just character packs. Yeah. Yeah. They – I remember um, because the Xbox store has so many old games on it, and so there are, like, a bunch of Star Wars games on the Xbox store. Mm -hmm. And there was one point where they were having a sale where they were all 50 or 75% off, and I bought the original LEGO Star Wars, the complete uh, trilogy for my – or the whole series, both trilogies, Mm -hmm. for my Xbox. And I almost feel like I would rather play that if I'm going to pick one of them and play it on my Xbox. So we'll see uh, if I touch that thing again. I had the complete saga on the Wii, but I've been thinking about picking it up on the PS3 and then, like, forcing my girlfriend to play it with me because I feel like that would be a fun thing to play, like, multiplayer. Me, because I have just so much nostalgia for those games, and I, I have a feeling they would still be fun. And, like, her, because it would not... It would be like a good on-ramp to a lot of video game mechanics that don't require like immediate understanding of all of the facets of video games and like not having to have perfect hand-eye coordination and timing and that kind of thing. Like I feel like I feel like that would be fun to jump back into. As I was going through this, I was wondering where One Night Stand was. Yeah. Because that's I know my you favorite Switch game. Real hours into that, yeah. But but thinking back, my one night stand grind was fall semester twenty twenty one. That's and true. so that would not be on this um Nintendo Switch twenty twenty two. That would have been when I stopped at your house and you sat me down and you were like, play this game. You have to play this game. Yes. I uh I don't have Tori's entire list, but I do have Tori's most played because she tweeted them. Tori's top three most played games on the Switch are Hollow Knight. Shin Megami Tensei 5 and Fire Emblem Three Houses. And if you've ever listened to this podcast, all three of those make perfect sense to me. So that always yeah. works. I feel like you don't even really need any elaboration there. Like, uh, it makes sense she played Hollow Knight a shitload this year. Yeah, I saw her list and I thought the same thing. I yeah. was like, oh, these three games that I've heard her talk about in my headphones. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
so that's that. It's kind of a bummer that Xbox didn't do theirs, but I it it does. Or no, were you gonna say something? Are you into wraps like these, like year end wrap ups? I I like the idea of it. I I don't know. I always have kind of a sour time at this time of year because I'm not a Spotify user. So like I use my Spotify exclusively for my podcasts. So my Spotify wrapped is always like an interesting insight into like what my top five podcasts are. But beyond that, like the Apple Music replay is never as fun or interesting. Plus, I don't know about you, but I just like I use a lot of old stuff that just can't be traced for better or for worse. Like I did see a tweet recently that was kind of like a jaded like Spotify has done better than anybody else of going, yes, we're tracking you and look at all the cool data that we're collecting from you. And like, I'm not sure if I would say that I'm that cynical about it. Like, I know I've fully come to terms with the fact that every waking second I spend on the Internet is being tracked by nine different companies so that they can sell it to advertisers. But I think for me, the thing is, is that I use, I still use a lot of stuff that isn't tracked by advertisers. You know, like it's not it's not tracking my like random YouTube music listens. It's not tracking the vinyl I listen to or the CDs that are in my car. And it's the same for video games. Like I'm not keeping tallies on like how long I spent playing Persona 3 on my PSP or Shenmue on my Dreamcast or that kind of thing. So it's, I don't dislike raps like these, but I always feel like I'm missing like part of the picture that would give me a better idea of what my media consumption looks like. I am a sucker for these things. Yeah. Because I like numbers and statistics. Like I'm someone who it it matters probably most to me with music than with this. Um, but I'm someone who will like download different apps and use different websites to track mm-hmm. my listening habits and I like to look at the numbers and the hours and the songs and the albums yeah. and the artists. And so whenever I get something like this, I'm always like, This is cool, but give me more. Like yeah. this Nintendo Wrapped, I think, is kind of whack. It doesn't even tell me like how many hours I played total in the yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. And so like I, I do like these things, but at the same time, I'm always like, give me more numbers. Yeah. I know you have them. Yeah, that's true. They do. They definitely do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I guess my I do enjoy some of the aspects of them. Like I do always kind of look forward to finding out like who my top artist was of the year, thanks to Apple Music. Like when I was in college, like three years in a row, my top artist was the Talking Heads. And two years in a row, I think in 2020 and 2021, my top artist was Stevie Wonder. And Stevie Wonder finally wasn't my top artist for a year this year. But and I don't even remember who my top artist was. Yeah, you know, like I I feel like I ought to remember that and I don't. But um if they could take into account how many times I listened to my CD copy of Talking Book in my car, he probably would be my top artist. But, but yeah, I, I do enjoy I do enjoy that aspect of these things. So if that's all we got here, let's talk about some some Christmas, some yeah. holiday video game some modes holiday, launching. Holiday cheer. Have you visited the Fortnite Lodge yet? I have, have you opened some Christmas presents? I have. I think this is very adorable. I don't know where you stand on this. I like it. I wish the stuff they were giving out was cooler. Yeah. Um. Like, I don't know why I didn't expect it to just be, like, Christmas-themed back bling yeah. and gun skins. But I do think that it's cool. Yeah, for, for people who haven't seen this, those of us who logged into Fortnite 
a couple of days ago were greeted to a new item on like the menu at the top bar that's just like a snowflake. And when you go to it, it takes you to something called the Christmas Lodge, which is basically just like this animated scene of a couple of like the Fortnite NPCs sitting inside of a, a lodge in front of a Yule log where there's a bunch of presents sitting around it. And every single day you log in, you get to open one of the presents. But the way you open the presents is you like pick it up and you hold down the A button. You have to like really hold the A button for a minute. And yeah, you get just like pretty basic box standard Fortnite loot, but it's all Christmas themed. I think it's adorable. I like that you can shake the presents that serves absolutely no utility other than like, oh, you can shake the present. It's it's very cute. Have you tried out the Overwatch Christmas mode? I saw that they had Christmas modes, but I haven't played it at all. Because I noticed that it was mostly just like the snowball fight one. And I'm pretty sure that's the same Christmas modes they've been rolling out since like 2017. So I was like, I'm good. I'll just wait for Lucio Ball when that comes back. Yeah, I haven't played that one or the Apex one either. Yeah, me either. Which is called Wintertide. Um, But through some online sleuthing, I have not played it yet. But um, Hmm. I'm pretty sure it's the same as Winter Express. Which yeah. I have always thought of as one of the coolest modes in all of Apex. And maybe that's because it's only around for a month a year. Yeah. Um, but I like Apex is a really good slow builder. Like you drop and you collect your stuff and then you yeah. do one fight and maybe you lose and then you have to do it again. You have mm-hmm. to like go back to lobby and ready up. Yeah. Um, and so I always loved Winter Express because it was like Drop in, fight, die, yeah. round over, drop back in, fight, die. And I liked that more than like that other mode that they introduced a couple years ago, like the the battling one with the rounds. Um, yeah. Something about the train. I just, I've always fucked with Winter Express very heavily. Do you fuck with trains in other games too? Um, I like to kill the train conductor in Red Dead and drive it. Yeah. Um, historically, I'll use the train to get away from police in GTA. Okay. I'm trying to think of other games that have trains. I'm thinking uh, Just Cause. Those games usually have a train that you can like detonate stuff and knock them off the tracks. I feel like my favorite part of any video game that has a train is usually the train. Like, I feel like I, as a media consumer, am teetering on the cliff of being a model train collector and all I need is the slightest push and like a little more space and money. I would be that guy that has like a basement table set up 24-7 with a model train being like, come check out this one. It's this train. Like I'm, I'm teetering on that precipice. That could be me tomorrow. I don't think that could be me, but I fuck with the train. Yeah. I wish like I've always been someone who's interested in going on a really long train ride yeah. someday, um, but not really in the U.S., because I don't know where I would go that would be pretty. Yeah. And our um, infrastructure for it is just like incredibly mid. So true. Um, but the <clears throat> idea of like going to Europe and going on a train. Yeah. Uh, sounds cool. That's incredibly romantic to me. Yeah. The, there's like this romantic idealized thing of like going to Europe and going on like a cross continental train ride. Like uh, I have I have like dreams about that kind of shit. I love that. I love trains. Uh, are there um, any... <laughs> Do you want to slander Marvel's Avengers before we talk about what we're playing? I was just I was just laughing. You have a note here in our Google Doc that says, are there any other Christmas events that we we know about or care about? And I said that I wonder if there are live service games that like nobody plays anymore that are still doing Christmas events. Like I looked up Anthem to see if it had a Christmas event this year. 
it does not. It looks like Anthem's last Christmas event was in 2021, which is probably really pushing it then, too. And uh, my joke here in the Google Doc was, I wonder if Marvel's Avengers, like the, the, the Crystal Dynamics developed Marvel's Avengers game that released like a wet fart, like whether that had a Christmas event, which I know they're still releasing new content for it. Like I've read that there was recently a content pack that sort of tied into the uh the new black panther movie with like some of those characters but it either came out or it was announced i don't know which one it was and i didn't look into it because i do not own that game there's probably like a fall guys christmas thing right yeah i bet there is i bet there is you had asked me last week about if there was anything in the gaming in the game awards that stood out to me that i was excited for yeah and i forgot i forgot to talk about um, that I'm excited for lo-fi hip-hop beats to come to Rocket League. Did you see that? <laughs> I don't even remember the, uh, that announcement. What was that? It's like an event that they're doing on Rocket League, and they're having a bunch of the stuff from that picture of the lo-fi hip-hop no beats to chill and do homework with um, come to Rocket League. That's so, so funny. I don't really care. Like, the girl... I guess that's cool. There's going to be like new lo-fi menu music in Rocket League, yeah. which is cool because the Rocket League menu music sucks. Yeah, it does. Um, it's bad. But if you can find it, here I just found a picture of it. They are going to have a car topper that is just a the cat from that picture that's curled up in the window. That's and so, so the car, funny. The car topper is the cat curled up on top of your car. I'm yeah. linking you to it now if you haven't seen it. But yeah, that's what I'm excited for from the Game Awards is I want the uh, lo-fi hip-hop beats to chill and do homework to cat on top of my Rocket League car. That's the crossover event of the year. That's so funny. I love that. I just love that that image is like, it's like a redrawn picture from a Studio Ghibli movie. And it has like always cracked me up that that image has become like, like that that image of that anime girl is like the poster girl for lo-fi hip-hop, lo-fi chill hip-hop beats to study to. And that's very funny. It's coming to Rocket League. I'm looking at this thing you sent me with the cat. That is so funny. Huh. Yeah, and that car that has the cat on top of it, mm-hmm. the decal is just the hood of the car says lo-fi. <laughs> and then the rims are that girl doing her homework while she studies to chill hip-hop beats to chill and do homework too. Is Rocket League, like, still big? Is it, like, still regularly getting shit like this? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I don't really play it anymore. I get on sometimes, and I get smacked. Um, I'm not bad at Rocket League, but I'm not as good as I used to be when I was playing it every day for hours. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, they definitely still get stuff. That's cool. I didn't remember the thing I thought I was going to say for uh, year-end wrap-ups, so that's all I have for that. are are we good with winter stuff? <clears throat> yeah. All right. We'll be back with what we've been playing in just a minute. Hey, Press Start. I'm Jake Loringer, also known as Amaranthin, also known as The Jake, and I'm a freelance composer from Washington State. In addition to my personal projects, I write music for games, podcasts, whatever. Transistor by Supergiant Games is my favorite video game. It might be yours, too. Have you checked? I mean, everyone knows Supergiant is just cranking out nonstop bangers. Bastion, really good. Pyre, really good. 
Hades. Do I even need to mention Hades? But I feel like Transistor, almost by default, is kind of relegated to being that one they did between Bastion and Pyre, which is a shame because Transistor is the one that really stuck with me. Of course, the mechanics are fantastic. The combat kicks ass, the sense of progression kicks ass, and the writing is excellent. The way the narrative and gameplay reinforce each other is great, too. But the big thing is that Transistor is dripping with atmosphere. You have a dedicated hum button, for God's sake. Even if Transistor wasn't just really fun to play, I swear the whole thing could run on vibes alone. And the soundtrack by Darren Korb has so much to do with that. Some of the first music I ever wrote was directly inspired by the Transistor soundtrack. And to this day, Korb's work represents what is to me the end goal of media composition, a sort of binding between the music and the game. When I listen to Transistor's soundtrack, I'm back in Transistor's world again, feeling all of the things that world made me feel. That's just really cool. Another thing that's cool is this track, which was not inspired by Transistor, from my album Cool Jams. This is Again. Thanks for listening. Take 36 even add when you were playing to the docs you must have secret notes hidden somewhere uh do you want to go first i just texted you about what i'm playing i'll go first yeah you go first high off life yeah high on life hi i think it's high on life yeah the rick and morty shooter right high on life by squanch games came out on the 12th or 13th it is a xbox game pass first day game because it is just on Xbox and Windows and Steam. 
Um, I have never seen a minute of Rick and Morty in okay. my life. I have friends who swear by it and tell me, like, start watching it. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, no, because I just like that I've never seen any of it. It's my, that's, that's my rebellion is that I've never seen any Rick and Morty. Yeah. And so I was seeing this on TikTok. There's like the clips of that one part where you have to go through the tunnel and the kid is blocking you and the game makes you shoot this kid. And then you get a game score achievement that is like Fallout would never let you do this because you like shoot a kid in the game. Um, And then there's like... The, it's just jokey jokey like the the dude from Rick and Morty is the voice of one of the guns JB Smoove is another voice of a okay. gun I, I looked it up and apparently this game takes like seven and a half hours to play through ten hours if you do all the side quests I have killed three bosses I think that there are four mm-hmm. and so I have three of the guns maybe there are five um, but I have three of the guns that you get and it's funny. It's cool. Um, I was reading some about it and people are saying it's more about the jokes than it is about the game, which I think is true. Um, it feels like fine. The music is cool. The, my only issue with it is that it's pretty repetitive. Like yeah. you have a gun in your right hand, you have a knife in your left hand. They both talk to you. They both say the F word. <laughs> Um, fuck, not the other one. Oh, okay. Um, Thank God, actually. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you have, like, your finishing moves that you can do with the knife. There's a, one move for each body type. Yeah. For finisher. And it's like, I just want to stab all these little dudes, and I'm just doing the same finisher, like, six times in a row. That's pretty annoying. Yeah. Um, but I like the music. I think it's funny. Um, I'm not going to start watching Rick and Morty because of it uh but whatever um it's cool i would recommend if you can play it for no extra money because you have game pass then do it yeah like we talked about maybe me uh rolling by your place on my way back home from my parents house this Mm -hmm. weekend and i'm just gonna bring my xbox so you can try it out if we do that because i don't want you to have to pay for it but i want you to try it out yeah i Um, the extent I've seen of this game is just like some clips of the jokes. Like I saw one clip online where I I don't know how far you are into the game. Do you care about spoilers for various jokes? Like I don't. Yeah, I saw one clip online where like you encountered these people and it was literally just the trolley problem. Like there's there's four people tied to one side of the train tracks and one on the other and you can flip the lever and the people on each side are like, oh my God, I can't believe you do that. And your, your Justin Roiland gun is like, oh, oh my God, man, oh, you're, you're going to kill those guys. Can you believe that? And like, I've seen that. I've seen like, there's a clip where you're trying to like find your way out of this area and there's just like some crates piled in front of an exit and the gun is like, Oh my god, this is ridiculous. Kotaku, give this give this game a 7 out of 10 right now. Give this game, or like, knock the score down in this game. Like, very, very self-referential. Uh, I don't know. It. I'm sure I have been seeing, like, the cringiest parts of the game pulled completely out of context from the rest of the game. Like, I've seen a lot of people shitting on it just based on various clips from Twitter. And I have to remind myself that, like, people are only recording the cringiest parts possible to post on Twitter. I have no doubt some of the jokes are very funny. 
It is funny, but it's cringy. Like that—that yeah. that is the comedy they're going for. And by the way, your Justin Roiland is not bad. Is it really? Which I think Thanks. is really funny. That's funny. I don't watch Rick um, and Morty either. Yeah, I just so I was playing it, and Angie came in, and she was like, "What are you playing?" And I just said, "Rick and Morty." <laughs> and then it's just this gun is <laughs> is talking. And she was like, "Yeah, all right, this is Rick and Morty to me." <laughs> <laughs> no, because I make fun of her and I say that she fucks with Rick and Morty, and Does she's she? like, "No, I don't. I don't know." Oh, it's pure. It's pure just it's just, vibes. Yeah, yeah. Anything that has hype, I just say that Angie fucks with it, That's like uh, the Wednesday Adams show. Okay, yeah. Um, I make fun of the Wednesday Adams show so much, and Tori brought it up on the last podcast, and I did not say anything. Mm-hmm. And then when the podcast came out and I sent it to some of my friends, they were like, well, how did you not make fun of it? Because it's all you do is make fun of the Wednesday Addams show. And it's like, I can't do that to Tori. But when she listens to this, she'll know. She'll know. She'll um, know you find it cringe. Yeah. Yeah. But I was I was playing and I had the Justin Roiland gun and she was like, what are you playing? I said, Rick and Morty. And then later she came in the room. I had the JB Smoove gun out and I said, I'm playing Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. There you go. And so, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know the Jamie voice Smooth. for the third. <laughs> yeah, he's so funny. I've had his gun out more now, but I just got a third one that is like a automatic and it has a, like a bubble that stops time. Oh, cool. So I've been using that one just because I can fuck people up with it. Huh. Uh, but but other than that, um, more Fortnite. We already talked about the holiday thing. Yeah. They have new guns for the holidays like they have the snowball shooter and i have to get kills for that to get xp for a weekly quest and so i've been trying to do that and it's not easy um there's like another quest where you have to do get a certain amount of trick points on the dirt bike and i'm on stage three out of five and i have to get three million trick points oh my god and it's just like it's just like that's so obnoxious because i'm not even playing the game because i just want to I just want to do battle pass stuff. Like Tim has gotten me onto this grind of the battle pass for whatever reason, where like I used to just play Fortnite and go in and have a fun time. And yeah. now Tim, Tim gets on and he's like, we're XP grinding. Yeah. And I, so now I just can't, I can't do anything other than that. When now. I was playing with you guys a couple of weeks ago, I was like, all right guys, where are we dropping? And you guys were like, all right, well I got to accomplish a quest here. So we're going to drop here and then we're going to go here. And I was like, y'all come on. I just want to play Fortnite. <laughs> Sorry, that's too simple. I do think that's too fun. I do think like it's so cool though that that Fortnite is able to allow for so many different play styles all collapsed into one game mode. Because I'm so used to games where it's like, well, if you want to play the game like that and I want to play the game like this, we have to play different game modes. Whereas like all of that still collapses pretty comfortably into the battle royale format. Like it's really incredible the way they've managed to do that. Yeah, we've talked about how it sucks that Fortnite is the best game. Yes. But that's yeah. just the uh, sad truth of this day. Yeah. I think those are the only two games that I've played. There was another game that I saw on TikTok that I downloaded to start playing because that is on Game Pass also that I don't remember, but I will look while Noah is telling Perfect. about his. And so I'll, I'll talk about that a little afterwards. No, that was a good segue because uh, I was going to shout out that I'm still playing Fortnite. It's going to reach a point where I'll just quit shouting out that I'm playing Fortnite. It's just that ever since they updated it again, I feel like I'm just like rediscovering new elements of it. Um, I didn't know that they had added new guns in for the holiday stuff until I was playing earlier. And 
I heard this like weird explosion sound and I looked over and there was somebody dressed as Spider-Man firing snowballs at another person. And I was like, the fuck kind of gun does Spider-Man have? And so I took out Spider-Man and went to go grab it and immediately died. And I hadn't seen the gun since. So now I know that's a snowball shooter. Um, Fortnite's still good. I guess quick sidebar. Did you see the trailer for the new Spider-Man animated thing? I did not. Did you fuck with Into the Spider-Verse? Was that... Of course. Yeah, I fucked with it insanely heavy. So uh, the the a newer trailer dropped for whatever the sequel to that one's called. It's called like, I don't know, Across the Multiverse or something. I don't even remember what, but it looks good. It it also looks good, which is no surprise. They they also showed off that like one of the potentially main-ish characters is voiced by Issa Rae, which I'm sure will be very fun, but yeah. Um. Other than Fortnite, the big thing that I've been playing the last couple of days is I jumped into Paper Mario on the Nintendo 64 Switch Online service. Do you have any kind of familiarity with the Paper Mario games? I've heard you talk about them, but Mm -hmm. I have never played Paper Mario. This was a game, so I had the first Paper Mario on the N64 when I was a kid, but I like, I never rolled credits on it. I like, I actually never really got that far into it, but... I got I played to completion the GameCube sequel to it, The Thousand Year Door, which is like the one that fans of this series treat as like the high watermark for it. Um Paper Mario for the N64 though is like equal parts baby's first RPG and also like really, really tight in a lot of ways that are really satisfying. Like something that I have always I guess I can't say the Paper Mario series because they stopped being RPGs after like the second game. Like the the ones on the Wii onward are like not even remotely comparable gameplay wise to the ones on the GameCube and the N64 other than like the tone of them, I guess. But they're RPGs that rather than the way some RPGs get late game where it's like even early game when you're dealing like hundreds of thousands of damage or it's like you go into a battle and the boss has 10,000 HP, and it's like, okay, I'm doing 900 damage with this attack, and that kind of thing. Paper Mario operates in, like, single-digit numbers, which is, like, so much fun and so easy to wrap your head around. It feels like such an immensely big deal when you can land three damage on something instead of two damage, because most enemies don't have, at least, like, I'm, like, three hours in right now, I'm on chapter two of eight. So like I'm I'm not very far into it, but like most enemies I'm fighting right now don't have more than 20 HP. So it's like boss fights are 20, 25 HP. And it's just like really, really cute. I don't know, aesthetically, a lot of N64 games I think don't hold up super well today just because like they we had really started, I say we, it wasn't me, but Pixel art had started to get really tight around the Super Nintendo, like into the PS1 era of games. And when a lot of companies started jumping ship to doing 3D graphics with polygons and shit, that early stuff just does not hold up. And it doesn't start to hold up again until you get to the PS2. Like the the early 3D on the N64 and the PS1 is endearing in a lot of ways. And I think the PS1 does it better, but some of those N64 games look rough. But since Paper Mario is so cartoony and like cell shaded, it holds up really, really well. And it's got like a good sense of humor. It's got funny characters and I'm, I'm really enjoying playing it. I don't know. I haven't played a Paper Mario game since the Wii one. So I don't really, 
I know a lot of people have beef with those games specifically because like Nintendo's creative team kind of laid down the law and was like, you can't depict Goombas as being good guys, which is like so many strange creative choices there. But the early games are really cute. You get co you get like partner characters who are like a friendly Goomba and a friendly Boo and that kind of thing in in ways that like don't illustrate the Mario universe as being like race essentialist where it's like all Goombas are evil and also work for Bowser. It's like there are you go to a village of Goombas that are all friendly and they don't like the guys who work, live nearby and work for Bowser. Like it's it's very cute. I've been having a lot of fun playing with it again. Yeah, that sounds fun. Did you find that other game that uh, you were talking about? I did. It's what called it? Nar- Naraka Blade Point. Have oh, you heard of this? I've heard of this. It's a up to 60 player battle royale that is um, martial arts inspired melee combat. Okay, that sounds and cool. And so I saw, it, I saw it on TikTok, which is why I downloaded it. That's why I do anything. Um, my so much on my for you page side note has been um Zoolander. Okay. For whatever reason. And so I started watching that movie today and I was like, wow, this movie's bad. And oh, so yeah. I stopped watching it. I've, never I've seen, seen it before. It. Uh it's 90 minutes, which is fun. I love a 90 minute I movie. love a 90 minute movie. Oh my God. Uh but back to this game. This looks cool. Um, I'm like on the on the website for it right now. It does look cool, and it's on Game Pass. Um, it just released this year, I guess, on Xbox Next Gen, but it was on Windows. It released in August of 2021. And so I turned it on, and I thought it was going to be like any Battle Royale game where it just drops you right into the game. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, let's do this whole training oh, wow. tutorial. And so I was just like, I don't feel like doing a tutorial right now. Yeah, I'm just going to go back to playing Fortnite. Hmm. That's really interesting. Huh. Yeah, so I need to try this out and then I'll report back. Yeah, let me know cuz I'm like I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and the website and it looks really interesting. It's got like a it's got a really cool look to it and a lot of the characters are like Chinese inspired in their designs, yeah. which is I think it's cool that like putting aside all of the xenophobia people have about China nowadays, like I'm not a huge Genshin Impact fan, but I really like that it's cool to see there's a game on the modern stage that has so much like Chinese influence in its character design and stuff in a way that's like not jokey and not like tongue in cheek, you know? It's cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of all we got, right? We don't have any you don't have anything else you want to shout out? I think that's all I got. That is it. Yeah. Um I guess we can tell well, real quick. Real quick. I got an email today. One sec, because I deleted it. You deleted it. I shouldn't have deleted it. Was it about the was it about the Donald Trump NFTs? No. Talk about that real quick. I'll talk about that while you're pulling the email up. Uh Donald Trump said that he was gonna make a big announcement the other day on Truth Social and his actual big announcement, which was posted to Twitter through his fail son, Donald Trump Jr was that he wants to pitch, if elected in 2024, legislation that is functionally based around Elon Musk's failed Twitter files nonsense. I guess I can't really call it failed because a lot of people are eating the shit that he's putting on a plate in front of them. But like, Trump wants to 
float legislation that would like serve as a probe into Twitter and prevent social media, kind of similar to that law that Florida attempted to pass that would have like penalized these companies for banning elected officials in the state of Florida off of Twitter. So like if I was an elected official in Florida and I tweeted something that went against the terms of service and Twitter blocked me, the state of Florida could fine Twitter the company, which is just, it's, it's an asinine baby child way of looking at the world, but like no shock. But before Junior rolled out this announcement, Trump said, I'm going to make a big announcement and then announced his NFT series, which is called the Donald Trump cards, which are just like these horrifically drawn cards. They like I saw a tweet that said they look bad even for NFT art standards, which are just like Trump in various positions. So it's like him in a tux, him in a cowboy outfit. And you can pay $99 to get this NFT. But I don't think you get to choose. I think it's like a card pack. So it's like. You spend 99 bucks and you get a random Trump NFT. And I'm like, if I can't pick the cowboy one, then what's the point? That's all I have to say about the Trump NFTs. (laughs) If it wasn't $99, I might do this because I think they look so funny. (laughs) They're so funny. I feel like with any luck, this can be the final nail in the coffin for NFTs, right? Like we can all agree if this old fucking grifter is getting on NFTs that they're probably dead, right? (laughs) That's the only thing I can do. Yeah, I I love the insider headline is Trump teases, quote, major announcement, end quote, that ended up being Donald Trump digital trading card <laughs> NFTs. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so the email that I got was from the AUDL, which we talked about <gasps> last episode. No way. And they just sent out their same exact email that they sent out on Black Friday being like, join our closed beta first 1,000 fans. No and way. it's like- Man, it's been three weeks. No one wants to play it. I thought maybe this is a sign. I thought maybe via SEO stuff they managed to find our latest episode and they were like emailing you to say like, nah man, calm down. This game's good, actually. I, they should send me a uh AUDL video game if you're listening to this, send me a code to play on the closed beta and I'll review it on this so widely spread video game podcast. AUDL, if you're listening, send him some merch too, like some like a like a tank top that has like the AUDL video game logo on it so that you can sport it while you're playing Frisbee. I'll do a write-up and I'll send it to Polygon. And we who knows if they'll publish it, but I'll write one and I'll send it. There we go. There we go. And that's that's the that's the Nathaniel Wilson promise. <laughs> Where can people uh, find you on the internet so they can read your review of the AUDL Frisbee game? People can find me on twitter.com at Nathan Based. Shout out. You can find me on twitter.com at Noah underscore Hertz, spelled H-U-R-T-S. The podcast is on Twitter at press underscore start pod. We're also on Tumblr at press hyphen start pod. Uh, we're probably other places too, but you can find it. I want to give a shout out to the artist Amaranthin, Jake over there who did the little musical interlude we had in the middle of the episode. That was the track again. You can listen to more of their stuff at their bandcamp, amaranthin.bandcamp.com spelled A-M-A-R-A-N-T-H-I-N-E. And that'll be in the episode description as well. A shout out to the artist Geist for our opener and closer music at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. Our show art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics. 
The news you heard was curated by us, and the show is produced by me. If you want to send us emails about the AUDL Frisbee game, you can email us at heypressstart at gmail.com. And I think that's about it. Anything else you want to shout out here? All the times I've been on this podcast, I've not gotten one more follower on Twitter because of it. I'm putting out the uh, one person follow Nathan based on Twitter challenge. <laughs> Level <laughs> to impossible. The press start. <laughs> I'm putting out that challenge to the press start fandom. Uh, press start fans, you know what to do. Yeah, make sure to uh, shake your presents before you open them yeah. in the Fortnite present place. Do you get anything for shaking them before you open them? or? No. Okay, cool. But you can shake it and listen to it and then put it back. Oh, I see. So like, yeah, gun skins sound But it's different. all the same ones, I think. Like you're going to end up opening it at some point, so just open it. Exactly. You may as well. If you're a real grinder like me, that's going to open up all 13 presents because it said then you get the super Yule log oh. at the end. There we go. See? There you go, everybody. Open your presents because you're going to end up opening all of them anyway. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.